This episode of With Love and Justice for All is brought to you by Bliss Books and Wine. Bliss Books and Wine is an independent black-owned bookstore for wine enthusiasts and book lovers. Listed as one of the black-owned bookstores in America that amplify the best in literature by OprahDaily.com, Bliss Books and Wine is your go-to for all your favorite titles, including ebooks and audiobooks. And when we buy from black-owned businesses, we are helping to create a world of racial equity. When ordering online, use the code 846BOOK for a 10% discount. That's 846-B-O-O-K for a 10% discount at blissbooksandwine.com. Exploring the healing and culture building practices of embodied anti-racism. This is With Love and Justice for All with Reverend Ogan Holder and Reverend Kelly Isola. Howdy, howdy, and welcome to Project Sanctus podcast with Love and Justice for All. I'm Reverend Kelly Isola, and I'm here with my partner in crime consciousness and co-creation, Reverend Ogan Holder. And we are here to have conversations around embodied anti-racism, dismantling oppression, fostering liberation, as well as at times focusing on uh, the special challenges that arise as spiritual seekers, as well as in spiritual communities. Um, how are you doing today, Reverend Ogan? Uh, you know, just living my uh, best broke nomad life. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> my best broke nomad life okay it, it it's it's been fascinating we talk a lot about you know prioritizing pleasure as really mm-hmm. not just a form of protest but you know upending the the internalized narrative of of um what do you call it capitalism and all the things and as a result of that i am legit factually making the least amount of money now mm-hmm. that i've made in a very very long time and I've also never been happier. Yeah. Right? So ideally, I'd like to make the money and be happy. <laughs> this happy. Yes. And I don't know how to do both yet. Right. Working on it. Working on Working it. Working on it. Yes. You'll learn it. You somehow get the get those planets to collide. Ex- exactly. Exactly. But but I've never felt more connected to people, both platonically yeah. and like in relationships. I've never felt more like uh embodied in terms of i'm walking through the world um or liberated or all the things like i feel great and interestingly enough because i feel all those things i'm also the less worried about money and as well uh it's it's the least of it i've ever had and i'm not you know like some people say that as an exaggeration i'm not exaggeration (laughs) not exaggerating exaggerating it's like literal here um but but it's it's good time to be a nomad and not have to worry about a you know mortgage uh, or rent or car payment so those things are yeah. helpful but but yeah so i got i kind of kind of got no complaints that's that's less complaint and more just like statement of fact mm-hmm. yes i've never been poorer and happier <laughs> it's not yeah. for everyone i can tell you that <laughs> no it's not uh, having done it before i yes i agree and it certainly there are times when I look at it and go, yeah, I think I'll put everything in storage and you know do that again. And I know it's I know that's not uh, that's more of a response to stop the world. I want to get off. <laughs> yeah. <thing>. Yes. <laughs> yes. And I and I'm not going to yeah. say that it was or wasn't the reason I started this journey, <laughs> but I think it's more like a one foot in the world, one foot out of the world. I think that's kind of where I am right now. Um, right. And we'll be for another year. And then after that, we will reassess. We'll reassess what's happening. Um, but on with the show. <laughs> yes, I know. But I, I like the little the little personal tidbits. Uh, oh, yeah. I always yeah. like those. Yeah. Yeah. But that's a rabbit and, uh, hole I can go I can go down and, and I know. Yeah. We need a different <laughs> podcast for rabbit yeah. holes. <laughs> um, we should make one that's like the outtakes kind of thing. <laughs> We could, or or yeah. or just or just okay, maybe want some. This is what we should do. All right, on the fly, on the fly, decision making here. Like once a month, we do a we do a rabbit hole podcast. We've got headlines. Let's let's do a rabbit hole podcast where it's just like, hey, what's what's going on in your world? That works for me. See, All that's right. the partner in crime consciousness and co creation. 
there there you go there you go live but don't worry time. today today's not the rabbit hole podcast in no, spite of our start no. even though it sounds like it <laughs> yes yes it's not, that. Um, it's not that we always want to thank our listeners and our subscribers uh we have listeners and subscribers in um at least 45 of the 50 states and over 24 countries around the world um nicaragua mexico sweden india and many others and we um, are always well uh, open to having you join our conversation. You can message us on Facebook or Instagram. Our handle is at Get Our Holy On. And while we're streaming this live to Facebook right now, this is a Saturday Saturday morning on August fifth. You can listen to it at any time. Uh, you can also call and leave a message. We have a phone number four one three four three eight four six five nine. Or 413 get holy. Always a good command. Uh, so on today's episode, we're talking about National Black Business Month, but I'm going to let Ogan um, do his part and then take us into that conversation. Yeah, it is August. It is August. Um, and as always, every month we have our affinity groups going on that we want to invite you to every first and third Wednesday of the month every first and third yeah wednesday i said that um at 7 30 p.m eastern um and you can visit our website projectsanctus.com to get more information about those groups it's where we come together and we kind of really just have a good um it's a good safe space to have challenging conversations humorous conversations connective conversations um around who we are as racialized beings and the work that we're doing to shift the racial consciousness of ourselves and the world. We have conversations around how we are unconsciously or sometimes consciously helping to maintain white supremacy and capitalism and patriarchy. And then what are we doing to sort of dismantle those systems of oppression that affect us all? So um, come join us. Um, every first and third Wednesday, the first Wednesday is uh, uh, what we call a communal group where everybody um, talks together. And then on the third Wednesday, uh, the white bodies go in one uh, Zoom room with Kelly. I take everyone else um, in the room with me and we have a little more, uh, shall we say, uh, pointed conversations. Um, yeah, you know. Because sometimes it's still uncomfortable to talk about race. We talk about that a lot. It's still uncomfortable to talk about race, especially in mixed company. Um, so we're hoping to uh, both um, destigmatize that and also still along the way, realizing we're not there yet, provide provide our individual spaces. So come join us and also support our work, this podcast, the affinity groups, all the other things that we do. Um, and it may seem that there's not a lot on our schedule right now. We are we are working on some stuff behind the scenes that we are going to release soon. Um, so keep your eyes and ears peeled for that. Um, but you can help us by leaving a donation at projectsanctus.com slash donate. You can one-time gift or become a regular giver, a reoccurring giver. Um, and if you become a reoccurring giver, um, there's some uh, bonus content um there for you so anyways that's who we are and i think it is appropriate that we're that we invite you to donate during national black business month are we a black business are we technically a black business i don't know half are we half half black business what are, what no, are I, I never that's so funny i never <laughs> thought about it even though when we decided we were going to talk about this it didn't i know it didn't occur to me to now either yeah do we I'm black. You're not. Does that mean that we are a black business? What what qualifies a business being black? I don't know. We're going to have to talk about that, I guess, because yeah. yeah. technically it's not full black ownership. It's partial black no. ownership. Right. So, um, I'm going to I'm going to say we qualify. OK, say we qualify. or I do. I do. So give all you your qualify. donations this month. Give all your donations this month. Just right. knows that. <laughs> Yes, make sure you, and <laughs> when you write the check, it's spelled K-E-L-L-Y-I-S. Okay. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. All right, so it is August. It is National Black Business Month. It is a time to recognize and support 
black owned businesses, not just in the US, around the world, if you are somewhere else. Um, and uh, other countries may not celebrate it. And honestly, again, it's one of those things where like a month is assigned to it, but this is something we should be doing all year round because we know there's economic racial inequities, especially here yeah. in the US. We're gonna dive into those a little bit um, more specifically in a little bit, but- I had, the, this, I had the same thought. I'm like, okay, it's just a month, but what about all year round? You know, like Pride exactly. Month or yeah. March is Women's Month. I'm like, maybe we could do it all the time. This is, this is the reminder month to do it. Yeah. Also the other 11 months of the year, um, you know, bring it into your consciousness. But um, yeah. the annual celebration was created in 2004 when historian John William Templeton and engineer Frederick Jordan partnered to advance the policies that would affect over two and a half million African-American businesses and thereby developing greater economic freedom for black uh, communities. Now, um, historically and contemporarily, um, black business owners, uh, just black folk in America in general, have, there's always been this economic gap, right? So even from the days of slavery, when there was no payment made for all the labor and all the services that were exploited upon which the U.S. economy was built that led the U.S. to become the global power that it did, all that was done on the back of enslaved labor. Right. So when we talk about an economic gap, like it probably wasn't as wide, it will probably never be wider than that. Right. Like enslaved labor and um, the slave owners reaping all the economic benefit um, of that. Um, and then, um, you know, after emancipation, you know, yes, black people opened barbershops, tobacco shops, you know, blacksmithing shops of all the things and even as they develop themselves as communities and economic um, strengthening we we would have things like for example uh you know race riots that would decimate communities that prospered you know the probably the most well-known of those was the one that occurred in, in in tulsa oklahoma but that by far wasn't wasn't the only one and then we had jim crow that just really uh, just decimated everything. Um, it's interesting when, when we talk about, uh, you know, post-enslavement and the back black businesses that sprung up from that. Again, um, um, I'm reflecting on the recent developments on uh, in Florida um, mm. around their, their education curriculum that said uh, the enslaved benefited from yeah. the skills that they learn. And I was yeah, like, that's well, how they opened their own businesses, right? They opened they opened their own businesses that were then subsequently burned to the ground or not, uh, you know, uh, was called uh, um, served by by white customers, really, and then um, you know all all the all the things, all the things. So yes, those were those were the benefits. Or as I recently heard on a podcast, um, I forget the name of the podcast. I heard this, but they were like. What do you mean we got to be grateful to slavery for that? Did they not think that we would have figured that shit out on our own? Also, let's not forget that uh, like a lot of those skills, you know, the agricultural skills, the leatherwork skills, the blacksmithing skills, black folk already had those back in the homeland and <laughs> were like, you know what I'm saying? So like you can case in case in point when you look at some of the absolutely fantastic metalwork that is being still held hostage in like british museums and american museums um that were taken from from different african communities and tribes and nations like we already had the skills so this whole thing about oh yeah us white us white folk taught you that and you're welcome <laughs> like miss me with all that anyways so and yes so so we had those you know had the historical barriers like that we also had things like you know as we came into the 20th century um things like uh, the gi bill that was supposed to benefit veterans disproportionately um benefited white veterans over black veterans 
um, as well. Um, you know, we look at things like, you know, the, the education, right? And um, how universities, which by the way, you know, all those, lots of those buildings and infrastructure, especially in the very older universities built by enslaved labor, um, but not open to uh, black folks. So we had to go start our own universities, HBCUs, historically black universities and college, mm. colleges and universities. Um, but then, you know, we fast forward to this day and age and uh, we're now in the 21st century and we still have these massive racial, racially, racial economic um, disparities, inequities, um, and, and barriers. Um, things like, you know, there, the, there wasn't, there wasn't the avenues for black folk in America to accumulate wealth and therefore pass it on to their descendants like white folk did. So, you know, so many, so many white families, uh, and again, we're painting in broad strokes here. When I say black folk, I'm also including brown folk. When I say, um, white folk, um, yes, we know there's there is there is a, also an intersecting class disparity, right? Upper yeah. class versus um, those of lower economic classes. So I don't want if there's any white folk listening who are like, you know, my grandparents were poor and my parents were poor and I'm poor, think that I'm lumping them in as well. Um, but generally speaking, um, you know, generational wealth passed on happened a lot, lot more in white families and. Uh, with black families, it was harder for black families even to this day to get to get home loans. Um, um, when we had the housing um, whole bubble thing, the prime mortgage fiasco disaster, yeah. black communities and black um, customers were were targeted. In fact, we were the we were the what do you call it the guinea pigs um, when they wanted to test out those loans and see if they would be. Uh, viable. Um, we know on average that uh, black folks, especially black women, learn, earn less per dollar comparatively than their white counterparts. So for every dollar paid to non-Hispanic white men, white non-Hispanic women and black women are paid 79 and 62 cents on for mm. that for that same dollar. So so like just all of this stuff is is happening uh, you shared you shared with me a great link around um in in venture capital funds black black founders are just getting like one percent of of venture capital funds um that's been you know that gets allocated for startups and stuff like that so it's like we still have these massive massive racially based economic inequalities so the idea of if we're going to get equity, one one of the place that each and every one of us can do a better job at is um, supporting, doing our shopping at Black-owned businesses. Do a little bit of research, find uh, Black-owned business that you need your goods or services from and shop with them. And even if you have to pay a little more, make the sacrifice to pay a little more. Great example is you hear it at the top of every episode of the podcast. Um, if you're going to buy your books on online, as most of us do, whether it's an ebook or it's a um, hard copy, um, buy it from a Black-owned bookstore like Bliss Books and Wine, who we have a partnership with. Any Black-owned uh, bookstore, and there's a lot of them out there. It's going to take five minutes to, to look them up. And you're probably saying, but wait, they don't give me that, you know, Amazon Prime two-day delivery, and I might have to spend a little more. Well, please spend a yes. little more. <laughs> yeah, the short answer to that objection is yes. Yes, spend <laughs> a little more, wait a little bit longer, because it's 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 less about your immediate gratification and more about how do we shift a system that is doing us all harm when you're buying from amazon right. you're doing us all harm um and that's that's not an oversimplification now i understand that for some reason for some of us there's only some things that we can find on amazon i mean i for one will dispute that i haven't shopped on amazon 
for years now and I seem to be able to find whatever I want. But yes, mm -hmm. it takes a little more legwork. And yes, you might pay a little bit more. And yes, it'll be okay. It'll be okay. And I know some of you are in financial situations where yes, every last dollar counts. So do you need to buy everything somewhere else? Maybe not, but start to make a shift is the invitation. Um, and um, yeah, help, help shift the system. Well, the other thing you can also do with Amazon a little bit is, um, you know, Amazon contracts with with businesses that create products yes. you know, that they then sell. And, you know, I'm sure. And so you can find, you know, a business on Amazon that's a black owned business and, you know, their products. Now, the downside of that, you know, that Amazon is, you know, raking them over the coals uh, in terms of you know, their percentage of the pie, you know, money-wise. And it's, you know, it is also a, if you shop on Amazon, you can, it, again, it takes a little time. You have to do a little research. You have to slow down, which, you know, the, the irony of, of Amazon is, you know, an, or getting it quickly and, um, you know, I got to get it now. And, and all of that sense of urgency and instant mm -hmm. gratification are all, you know, some of the biggest hallmarks of privilege, you know, yes. those cultural norms that keep the system alive and keep it driving. So my, my, you know, when I make a decision to just slow down and yes, it takes a few more days, you know, is, is a way of taking myself out of that rat race. And we can all do that. Like, is it really, I mean, is it really gonna kill you to wait a few more days? And if it is, then we have a different conversation we need to have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this, uh, is, this is true. And it also requires me to get myself a little more organized, right? To, to get myself yeah. out of this, this really entrenched neural network of get it now. You know, I don't have to plan. I don't have to think ahead. I don't have to be conscientious, right? I can just, boop, you know, and, and you don't even have to get back to your computer just on your phone. You know, um, so that instant gratification, that moving quickly, the, you know, the the consumption, the the volume of consumption is all, you know, contributing to the wealth disparity, um, the you know racial inequity. It all mm -hmm. contributes. It's that that um, that lack mentality, that scarcity mentality. I got to get it now. And, and it's fascinating, the scarcity mentality that leads us to, to hoard more. Um, yeah. And, and it's really it's really been a thing that the nomad life has asked me to really pay attention to. Because I'm not just a nomad, I'm a nomad in a Miata. So I got, right. I, I got no room for anything. So Only what you absolutely need. Right. Only what I absolutely need. And, yeah. and yes. So it's been it's been fascinating to to be in a place where I don't have the convenience of of a home, just a, a physical home to to put more stuff in, you know, like I'd still have a most of my stuff is in a storage unit now because I still seem to think that one day I might settle down somewhere. Um, but it could happen. It could it could it could happen. It could happen. And that somebody pointed out what you've been paying in storage room fees, you could have like sold all your stuff and probably just have rebought it and still saved money. I said, yes, but I kind of like my stuff. So right. I'm going to hold on to it a little bit longer. Um, yeah. But but yeah, that that less is more um, the minimalist idea, even if you don't want to go that far, just the just to really and just to really like be mindful and pay attention to um, the fear underneath our shopping habits, whether it's the urgency, the fear of missing out, the scarcity mentality, the the hoarding, it's it's an invitation to to look at it all and um, know that you'll be okay with the extra two, three, or four days it takes for something to get to you. And the truth of the matter is, most online businesses have adapted and will give you the same two, three day shipping that you get with Amazon, they'll still give mm. you around the same prices or in some cases better. Um, because, you know, if you really dig into Amazon's model, they will offer some things that dirt cheap to get you there to sell other things, not nearly as dirt cheap. Um, 
But as you're on there, you just find everything in your basket and you really not end up saving a whole lot. So um, so take the take the time to look. But but yes, um, we really want to invite you this month to take the time to really break down where you're doing your shopping um, and why you're doing your shopping from the places you're doing your shopping. And are there items, especially frequently purchased items that you can shift towards buying from a black owned business um, to help shift some of that flow of, of money um, into, into the hands of the black community and therefore create um, some greater spaces of equity. You know, I'm not, I don't know. Uh, I mean, we've talked about it before, the, the economic disparities. And I, I'm not sure though, how many people really understand that that our current day, you know, wealth inequity is uh, just, is this trajectory um, of generations of the historical barriers, mm-hmm. right? The, the institution of slavery was um, helped create wealth in America and also deny wealth. Um, yeah. And so, um, you know, Black Americans were brought to the United States as capital, right? That's, you know, they're Black Americans, you know, just being alive and exploited for their labor, labor uh, as chattel slavery, um, enriched white Americans. And it's just, that's the trajectory we've been on um, and denying Black Americans to generate income of their own um, after emancipation, as, as you talked about earlier. Um, but it's, there's still this link um, between mm-hmm. slavery and the gap that we have today. And I know people who believe wholeheartedly that there is no systemic racism, and yet we still have this very you know, huge gap in uh, this black-white poverty gap. Um, and uh, um, according to, um, so this is from the American Bar Association, there's a, a study that, um, the, that showed that the estimated loss of black wealth as a result of enslavement, right, in today's dollar. So we're going mm-hmm. back to enslavement and that trajectory and bringing all of that systemic uh, capital system or, or that systemic capital wealth gap forward is uh, enslavement is a $14 trillion business in today's dollars. Like that's the estimated loss of black wealth as a result of enslavement, $14 trillion in today's money. Um, And that's, uh, you know, I don't know that that gets made up. Uh, I don't know that that um, uh, gets, um, you know, there's the whole conversation about reparations, but the way that it gets you know, the shifting that is is not just one, what you were saying is where am I shopping, right? Where am I getting my books? Where am I getting my groceries? Where am I banking, right? Where am I, just look at the places that you visit on a regular basis, right? And how many of those are black owned businesses? And I mean, you can even look if you have, say, a retirement, a 401k, you can look at where, you know, what funds is my money going into? And then you can look at the businesses that that make up that fund. Right. And you can you can actually shift that and you can do something about that. Uh, And then even, you know, going a step further is not just buying from from black owned businesses, whatever you're buying, but even when you go to the grocery store, notice the, um, you know, what's on the shelves. And do you know, you know, the products that are there who, you know, uh, especially in the health and beauty aid section, which are, you know, come from a black owned business. And and why, and if there are some that, you know, if it takes, you know, it takes some education, I'll say that. So it's not, um, so you have to be willing to learn this, like how this has come about, this this major wealth gap and how it continues in terms of, you know, white people building wealth, intergenerational wealth and being able to, you know, hand that down and for generations to inherit is very different and a whole lot more money than uh, in black communities and black families. So it's this intergenerational wealth for black families is relatively new thing. 
um, because there's not been access to the housing and the education and the jobs um, over, you know, tens of, you know, hundreds of years. So it, when, so coming back to the grocery store thing is looking at the products that, that are there and what's the shelf space. I mean, that's even a, an, another thing to start noticing. And again, mm -hmm. having to do, you know, your own research and find out, but, but even something as simple as our black owned businesses, those that are, you know, trying to get into mainstream shopping, uh, where's, what's the shelf space? You know, is it at the very bottom? Is it at the very top? Or is it in, is there shelf space given to black owned businesses and their products that they're selling at, you know, that I can see? Um, it's not, you know, there's this, uh, sometimes what I have heard from, from white women is that, you know, they, when they think black owned business and um, they tend to go straight to, well, their hair is different. So their hair products are different. So why would I be looking for those, you know, or beauty products, you know, skin products, um, which is a whole other research thing that I wound up doing that I won't go down that rabbit hole at the moment. Um, but I do want to touch on it before we end today, because it was really fascinating. And it is something that I can do something about. Uh, even though I'm not black skinned. So, uh, you know, there's a whole lot of, um, there's a whole lot of ways to find black owned businesses, as you said, just Google um, and um, how to support them. But it, but it has to start with that conscious decision, right? We, we talk about race consciousness, um, mm -hmm. you know, and making that prioritizing it. Um, and rather than just sort of going mindlessly through our day or like, oh, I can get that at Amazon and mindlessly clicking through and, you know, in a minute I'm done kind of thing. Yeah. And and we'll give a little credit where credit is due. Um, since 2020, um, when George Floyd was murdered, and as I like to say, um, white America realized, oh, look, we actually do have a racial problem here in the States. Right. Um, the um, shopping at black owned businesses did go up searches went up um shopping actually went up uh, according to um what is this website good good good.co um 31 of u.s consumers said they purchased more from minority-owned businesses in that year february 2020 to 2021 um but since then like sort of the the enthusiasm has shifted and a lot of people went back to their own to their previous yeah. um shopping habits so not everyone did but but many did and again to your point about racial consciousness like um there was just it it felt and we are experiencing this in in our work just either people are um tired of thinking about race all the time, talking about race all the time, uh, paying attention to race, um, going out of their way to do something different. Um, and again, these are mostly white bodies, which um, ironically is again, showing your privilege. You have the privilege to not uh, consciously think about this all the time. You have the privilege to go back to your old yeah. spending and buying habits. Um, and it's, you know, again, the question we, we get a lot is like, what do we do? What do we do? How can we fix this? And all the things and realizing that, yes, you buying more from black owned businesses, you know, for a few months, no, that's not going to shift the tide. This has to be a lifetime practice, a lifelong, uh, practice as well. Um, and yes, it does call for work and attention and conscientiousness and, you know, welcome, welcome to the work. Welcome to, if you want yeah. to, if you want to shift um, a culture that has existed for hundreds of years, it's gonna take concerted effort. So, you know, do you really wanna do that work or not? But to your point, um, there are, there are places you can find the resources um, online. Yes, you can Google that. There's other uh, websites. Um, there's a uh, there's a website and app called Eat Okra. I know. I love it. O K R A. Eat Okra. Um, I personally do not like okras, 
They no, are I don't like okra, but I like the, the slimy green seedy <laughs> vegetables. Yes, but the app works, and so it's an it's an app that allows you to find black owned restaurants um, in your in your area. There's one called uh, Black and Green. It's an all natural marketplace for, as you mentioned, skin and soap products um, made by black artisans. Um, by the way, I don't care what color you are. If you're not, if you're not um, bathing with black soap, um, you're not you're not treating your skin well. If you don't know what black soap is, look it up. It's yep. great. It's great product. Uh, you have the Black Business Green Book. Um, this was created by the nonprofit Color of Change, and it features Black-owned businesses in each state. If you don't know what the Green Book is, that was a book that was developed during like Jim Crow civil rights era for mm -hmm. Black Americans when they were traveling and they needed to find accommodations that were safe and friendly to Black customers. So this Green Book was created. You're probably recognizing it from the movie um, and eh, in the movie, eh, not not a um, great not a great depiction but that was you know you know half a point for trying to get the point across um so so you all these places there's another site called shop black owned um and it's an open source tool that helps you find black owned businesses in seattle san francisco new york la dallas chicago boston the big cities um so there is there are a lot of you know, websites out there that you can, you can, um, you can find. Um, these are places you can order online. These are places that are in your neighborhood. Um, we mentioned black owned bookstores already. Um, you can, there's black owned um, Etsy shops that you could, you can mm, figure out. Yeah. You can yep. find for those of you who like, who like the, who like to frequent Etsy. Um, there's a website which I've used a lot called We Buy Black, and We Buy Black mm -hmm. is like these are like everyday like home essentials. When I had a home, when I had a place, I called my home. Yes, this was the website I used a lot to to get some uh, products. Like I'm not talking like cleaning products, you know, electronics, like you know, just things that you use every day in your home that you. Uh, might have created a what do you call it like one of those like automatic reoccurring delivery things on Amazon. Um, yeah, take a pause and head over to We Buy Black and um, um, create recreate that recreate that list there um, as well. Same products um, or and many of the products that they have created by other black businesses. So. Um, you can start to you can start to shift things in that way and and again please don't get in your head oh I'm going to do this and therefore racism will be over in three years that's not how any of that works um, but it does begin and continue to create a shift in the flow of money and finances and empowering black owners business owners um, to to have a bigger voice um in in policy creation and things like that so yeah do your do your part yeah so i'd also encourage people that i i'm you know i know many people that you know have started businesses and have run them for years and have been successful at that and one of the the biggest barriers um for building you know uh uh black owned businesses is the um you know, the less uh, connection or the resources around education, you know, business education. Mm -hmm. And um, and so if you are a business owner, why not, you know, give a little like mentor somebody, um, you know, or have a little, you know, have a little workshop sometimes. And uh, but even mentoring somebody. Um, to to help them, you know, it's, it's not it's not hard to find people to mentor. And again, it's the kind of thing that you you know have to shift your consciousness from you know from that rugged individualism, from taking care of me and my business, and to a we, right? That that um, you know, rising water raises all ships. Uh, that you, if you're a business owner and you've been successful and even if you've had ups and downs, you know the the you know 
things that have worked successfully and some of the pitfalls. So why not mentor someone else um, and and gain, give access to um, you know black Americans that are wanting to go into business but don't have access to all the resources. Um, you know the median wealth held by white to black families is ten to one. Um, twice as many black people are unemployed than white people. Um, and there's a much greater likelihood that black children will live in poverty as compared to white children. Um, you know, everybody, this, this, I hate to use the term American dream, but this, you know, this participating in a democracy where, you know, everyone has access to the resources to live an abundant and meaningful life. We don't have that. And, and so we have to be creating that. So, you know, honoring Black Business Month is, you know, everything that we've been saying and Ogan has given, you know, our listeners, uh, you know, a myriad of ways to participate in it. And one of my favorites is that Eat Okra app, which has nothing to do with eating okra, but what it does is it gives you restaurants that are, um, um, that are black owned. So even so use that and maybe every Friday you choose a choose a restaurant from that. If you're somebody who likes to eat out, you know, on maybe on Fridays you're going to go eat out. So use the app and find a restaurant in your town that's black owned and go there and do that on a regular basis. There's, um, but it's also, you know, kind of stepping back from not just the consumer, but helping and supporting um, the education you know, if you're not somebody who could mentor someone in business, then find, you know, scholarships for black students that are going in that want to go into business, um, you know, get an MBA or, or something similar to that, find scholarships and contribute to that. Um, yeah. There's, there are, you know, it's, it's almost like, here's the end result, the black owned business, right? But now back up to how did that, how can that come into being? And where can I support that process? Yes. I don't think we um, often look, I don't think we often look at that trajectory. Like where did it start? Exactly. Um, and we're putting in a bunch of the links. Uh, I put some up on our Facebook uh, live stream and they'll be in the show notes as well. Um, so you can um, click on them and start, start doing the research yourself. Um, but um, we do encourage you to, um, to put in the effort. Um, and this is, I think, really of those of us with financial privilege, this is perhaps one of the easiest things you can do to make a big difference, um, which is the, yeah, shop, shop black all year round. It's, it's not, yeah, it's not that hard. Yeah. You know, the, the other, and the other thing I was thinking of, there are like in a spiritual community at a church, sometimes during the year, they do like these business fairs, you know, where, where uh -huh. businesses come in and, you know, there's a Saturday and set up tables and, you know, or even like in the, you know, within the town you live in, maybe there's a street fair or something, but um, but even, you know, let's say you have, you're in a church or a spiritual community and you have one of these, well, the, you know, make sure that you're in inviting like all folks, um, to take part, um, you know, give a, give, you know, <clears throat> bring, bring black owned businesses more into, you know, in front of people's eyes. Uh, so you can see them and not just for the month of August, but all the time. And even even if you run your own business, perhaps consider offering discounts. We call it economic mm -hmm. justice discounts to to brown and black folk. I don't know. I was struggling to do that. I'm trying to multitask here. Um, I was pulling up my own uh, website for my own um, spiritual coaching and grief counseling and. I I offer a 15%, that's one five, 15% discount to self-identified uh, BIPOC folk, uh, black indigenous people of color. Um, so so that's that's my way of going like, all right, how can I, as a person who doesn't have a lot of spending power right now, how can mm -hmm. I make a difference? How can I do my part 
to help promote economic justice. And for me, that's that's what it is. So if you are a shameless plug, if you're looking for a grief counselor, <laughs> a, a spiritual coach, uh, you know, someone to help you navigate these troubled times, um, yes, look me look me up, uh, revogenholder.com. And if you self-identify as part of the BIPOC community, you get a 15% discount off of all of my coaching rates. Um, and so we can we can we can each figure out some uh, creative way to help um, create some racial economic equity in our lives so and in the world. I, I want to ask a question that that I've it's not my question. It's a question that I've heard before. In you, are, response you are asking asking for a friend. <laughs> I'm asking for a friend. Yep. Uh, that there's you know pushback around what you just said, offering 15% off for you know someone who identifies as BIPOC. I have heard people say that um, that get uh, incensed like it's a handout. Uh huh. So what, what would you question? say to somebody that's thinking that? Um, so I would say that it's again showing your privilege, right? One, two. I will remind you because I'm assume this is gonna be a white body saying this, um, and I would say to them can you historically look at all the times that white bodies were economically supported? Um, not just historically, but even today, a great example would be, you know, we just had the whole Supreme Court ruling on affirmative action. Right. And we, we talked about this in our headlines episode recently that affirmative action for white bodies has been present uh, all along in terms of, um, what do you call it, um, legacy admissions, Yep. Um, you know, and and uh, things like that. Um, when you look at, interestingly enough, how people people with money get more perks and more benefits. So, for example, when you look at banks, like um, easier for easier, it is it is more difficult for um, black folk and queer folk, by the way, uh, to get bank loans, for example. Um, when we look at it from a place of economic status, um, people who are lower economic status tend to have to pay more bank fees. Um, I think it was Bank of America that just settled um, oh, yeah. for a few hundred million dollars for double charging people on late fees and stuff like that, who are more yeah. off, who are more likely to have a late fee or a bounce check or something. Someone who is poor and who is more likely to be poor in our country is a black and brown person because of the systems of inequity that have been set up, right? So it just all kind of like snowballs on itself. So I would say to someone, um, providing a space of of um, economic aid specifically to a, um, a non-white person is not so much a handout as it is. Um, um, do you know, remember that, remember that image that we would use often where there's like three people trying to look over a fence and they got the boxes that they're standing yeah. on, yeah. right? And we talk about equity is realizing or justice is realizing that some people need a box, one box to stand on. Some people need right. two to look over the fence. Some people don't need any because of where they're, yeah. where they are in their social location, the points of privilege. This is providing the correct number of boxes for for everyone to be able to see over the fence, and uh, with the with the goal and the hope that eventually we remove the fence. Yeah. for everyone not just the black right. and brown bodies because let's be clear all the symptoms symptoms all the systems of injustice also affect white bodies as well right, right. They, they may just feel the impact less because of places of privilege um but or that the system was designed to benefit but trust me y'all suffering too um as as well and that's where we get now this i this uh the, the whole class struggle because a lot of the economic systems of inequity are meant to benefit the rich and keep them richer and make them rich and keep them in places of power. And yeah. who are those people? Uh, by sheer coincidence, generally, largely gen white, <laughs> generally tend to be more white folk. Yeah. 
Yep. Yep. You know, so so there's so there's that again, again. And I feel like I have to say this every time because people hear it and think we're not coming after you, white folk. We're not anti-white. This is not what this is about. This is about recognizing the system that, again, you didn't create, but you're benefiting from um, consciously or unconsciously in some way. And if we truly want a system that, like you purport to say, um, benefits all and the systems of equity, um, yeah, this is this is what it's going to look like. It's going to have to be a shift. Well, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I think we absolutely have the skills and the um, capacity to make the changes. Uh, we just don't have the will. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, this is exactly true. Um, what was the thing you wanted to visit, revisit real quickly oh, yeah. before so, we uh, wrapped up? Yeah, before we leave, I, I just, I came across, I hadn't really thought much about it before, but I wanted, you know, this would be probably largely for anybody that identifies as a woman and uses, you know, beauty products, um, you know, whether it's shampoos or, you know, fit makeup, um, cleansers, oh, can I, can lotions. I, can I just say, so look, listen, hey. Hey, I'm a male identified body. Yeah. Trust me. I know you I, use beauty products. I listen, the black don't crack on its own. We got there's a lot lot of lotion application going on here. I go through right. a lot of bottles of lotion a month. <laughs> yes. So it, it is lotion, but then I'm moving beyond into like face makeup and you know, and I know it's not just people who identify as women. It's just that's a I'm focusing there because it's the it's a huge you know, percentage that yes. um, are the heavy buyers. Let me put it that way. Okay. But the information applies, you know, to anyone who's using the products. And what I've discovered is that um, there are, um, you know, very toxic chemicals in in personal care products that I think most of us kind of know, uh, but we don't pay attention to because um, we, you know, we love the result we get with using it. Um, but the reason I wanted to bring it up is um, that it, there is this domino effect. You know, I, somebody's probably thinking, well, what does, you know, these, these chemicals, these harmful chemicals in beauty products have to do with, you know, Black Business Month and racism? Well, what it has to do with is that um, products that are, uh, some of these chemicals are, uh, the oh, how do I say this? So the more inexpensive a beauty product is, the more likely it's full of these these harmful chemicals and toxins. And so the domino effect of that is that they're cheaper to produce, so they're cheaper to buy, so they're going to wind up in in communities that um, that are experiencing more poverty because they're cheaper to buy. Um, and as a result. And so what that translates to is we know that there are, you know, this, this, you know, economic huge gap between um, white folks and, and uh, black, uh, black folks. Uh, and so there's more of a, you know, women, black women are now it's in doing studies and looking at um, the chemicals that um, you know, for black women in when they're pregnant, um, they're, you know, or and or, um, you know, caring for their reproductive needs, what they're developed, what they're what coming out in the science is that black women um, are their bodies are holding on to have much higher levels of endocrine disrupting chemicals. Um, because it's there's this kind of domino effect in the beauty industry and with these beauty products. Um, and so it's predominantly women of color and immigrant women who are facing these occupational health hazards from chemicals that are in professional cosmetic products. Um, and these are also, the, the, these products are also environmentally dangerous. So there's the environmental injustice issue, which we know uh, also impacts ethnic and uh, racial minority groups. So there's this, you know, I was just really, I hadn't thought a lot about it. And, and now mm -hmm. I, you know, even just the, the beauty care products I may buy, you know, the, the, you know, whether it's lotion or makeup or hair products, like look at the labels and there's, yeah. um, you know, there's a, a 
a link that Ogun, you could put in if you haven't already, the top 20 toxic, the toxic 20 list. Um, and each one on the list has its own dangers. Um, but the I hadn't really thought a lot into the domino effect of it. Yeah. Um, and so now now I now I am. Yeah. Um, so, yes, I just did put the link up um, for that. Um, and that link actually came off the website Black and Green, where then you can buy, mm -hmm. uh, you know, um, healthy skincare products, um, all which you describe uh, from a black owned company. So so those purchases that one purchase from that one site is doing a lot of work on multiple fronts. And yeah. this is this this is what we're meaning about, you know, creating creating equity in many different avenues, you know, environmental justice, economic justice, racial justice, um, just by yes, not just by, but uh, but and but by buying products that you use literally every day, skincare products. Yeah. Uh, soap. Lotion, and none of, and none of those issues op yeah, none of those issues operates in a vacuum. No, 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 they do not. They they do not. And I think and I think that's that's one of the things that we still have to do a lot of work shifting our consciousness around, you know, by saying like, I don't I don't see how me buying uh laundry detergent from Amazon is you know harmful. Like how's how is how is that how is that helping to maintain systems of oppression? Um, sort of deal. Well, um, you know what's funny? If if somebody actually would stop, let's say they're on Amazon, they're about to buy laundry detergent, and they ask mm -hmm. themselves, how is how is buying this contributing, you know, colluding with the system, contributing to systems, you know, the injustice, racial injustice, environmental injustice, economic injustice. If you can't answer the question, don't hit the buy with one click button. Mm, like go oh, find like out. I go like find that. out. Yes. Yes, you're right. If you can't answer that question, go investigate and you'll find you'll find some ways you'll find some ways. Um, and um, and now you have some other ways that you can you can shift that. So again, all these links are in if you go to the video stream on Facebook and hit the comments in the comments, I've got the links It will be in the show notes for the podcast and uh, we'll be reminding you all this month um about it being black business month um we will also try to practice what we preach and remind you the other 11 months of the year um and um i i'd say we already have been doing that by um promoting uh, bliss books and wine a black owned bookstore in kansas city um also a black owned uh, bookstore owned by two women sisters two black yeah. women so so um yeah, buy from buy from them. You also you you also subverting the patriarchy in that way as well. So you know, excellent. <laughs> you know, we're, we're we're do do all the things, do all the things uh, with your with your purchasing power. And you mentioned the church earlier, and I was gonna say, um, you know, how many churches have to buy supplies on the regular, right? Toilet, right. uh, you know, cleaning supplies. Uh, toilet paper, office supplies, all the things that you buy on the regular, which a lot of churches, I know, because I used to, you know, be the minister of a church, will um, contract out with maybe a local big box, like a Staples or someplace yeah. like that, um, or with Amazon, you know, they may use Amazon Smile to help, yeah. you know, do a little fundraising for themselves. Which again, you know, I can understand why you would want to do that to save money and encourage people to raise some money for yourselves. I get it. And at the same time, um, really reconsider having a more impact um, by doing your business with one of these black owned companies. You can replace all that stuff on We Buy Black, for example. Um, yeah. And, you know, if you're going to be, for example, doing fundraising and auctioning off um, sometimes gift cards to restaurants and stuff, can you use the Eat Okra app and find black owned restaurants yeah. that you can go get gift cards from um, yep. or whatever? Um, so so, yeah, it, you can you can help in a lot of ways. And it just, again, takes takes a few minutes to to dive deeper into it. 
I think that's all we got for you today. Thank you for listening as always. Um, and more importantly, um, thank you in advance for going the extra mile to once again, investigate your buy-in practices and your buy-in habits and make an economic difference, create some economic equity in the world. Um, thank you for making a donation to Project Sanctus to help keep the train running. Um, also, if you want to really dive into discussions like this a little bit more deeper, come join our affinity groups um, as well and and have some have some conversations. Tell your friends about the podcast as always. Um, and if you have that friend who doesn't know what a podcast is still in 2023, don't shame them. Just tell them, hey, you know what the internet is. Check us out at with love and justice for all dot podbean.com on the internet so until we meet again let's get our holy on